Welcome to Wrestling Highlights of the Week for my Two Cents podcast presented by G2. I am your host, G2. I'm here to let you know that I'm going to be giving you the results for Raw, SmackDown, NXT, Impact, AEW, and I'm also going to give you the results from Impact's uh, pay-per-view that they have that they did Saturday against all odds and also last night's results from NXT's In Your House Takeover and I also will be giving you a little bit of the news from over across the pond well over far east in New Japan Professional Wrestling because they have crowned a new IWGP World Heavyweight Champion between the match between Okada and Shingo Takage before this episode ends and I also want to give you a little bit of wrestling like rumors that have been floating the internet and I just want to give my two cents on the uh, uh, rumors, but that's before the end of the show. So let me get on with the raw results. Monday night raw started off with a tag team battle Royale for to crown the new number one for the raw tag team championships that are held by AJ styles and Omas. The Viking Raiders won the tag team battle Royal. It came down to both members of the Viking Raiders in the ring with Randy Orton and one of the Viking Raiders was able to throw Randy Orton out of the ring, and that's who. That's how they became the number one contenders for the tag team uh, championships. I thought that the Viking Raiders was going to win. Uh, that was my original thought, but then I quickly changed it up to probably RK Bro, which consists of Randy Orton and Matt Riddle, because Viking Raiders haven't been on television for a long period of time. They were on television for about, okay, a week or two after they re-debut themselves like the night after Wrestlemania but ever since then they haven't been on Monday Night Raw so I'm surprised that they did get the win but I kind of thought that they should so I was glad that they did end up getting the win anyway on to the next thing that happened Jason Riker beat well Jackson Riker I'm sorry beat Elias by counter Elias decided that he couldn't take the punishment from Jackson Riker anymore and that's why he decided to leave the ring and take the count out and lose to Jake Jackson Riker by countout. I hope the guy they end this rivalry re, uh, quick. This rivalry is not worth time. I mean, I understand Raw has three hours and they have time to kill, but they should be focusing this, well, another feud on something else. This should just be a quick one-and-done style feud. I hope it ends quickly. But if not, let's hope that we at least get some no DQ out of this match with these two guys. I mean, they're both built up that their body should uh, take some type of punishment, at least with steel chairs and everything else. I don't want the wrestlers to get injured bad, but to spice up and probably get some fan interaction, even on Twitter and everything else, people are calling this storyline boring. At least to grab their attention, I will at least put them in a no DQ match one week or something like that. But I hope the storyline ends. Anyway, on to the next. Lashley and Drew McIntyre, they had a contract signing the segment. And in the contract signing, Lashley told Drew that this is the last time you will be having a WWE Championship opportunity with me. If you can't beat me, this is the last time you'll be having a championship uh, opportunity as long as I am the WWE Champion. And Drew McIntyre agreed to that, and he wanted to put a stipulation himself. He told Lashley that he wanted his WWE Championship match inside Hell in, a, Hell in a Cell. Lashley agreed. So at Hell in a Cell this upcoming Sunday, it will be Lashley going against Drew McIntyre in a Hell in a Cell for the WWE Championship. 
I personally think Lashley's going to win, and I see we might get Drew McIntyre going over to the SmackDown side because Drew still has some unfinished business with Roman Reigns. But I'll talk to that more next week after the pay-per-view has concluded for Hell in a Cell. And let's see if that comes to fruition. But anyway, on to the next. The next match was Ricochet going against Humberto Carrillo for the number one contendership for the United States Championship. It ended in a draw, a double countout. It did it like this. Ricochet and Humberto were on the outside ring apron. And uh, Ricochet ran into Humberto and he... Humberto was able to hit Ricochet with a Spanish fly to the floor, and you saw both of them thriving in pain, and they both couldn't make it inside the ring for uh, for the win, so they ended up getting a double count out, and that's how that match ended. More than likely, tonight on Monday Night Raw, we're going to get another match between Ricochet and Humberto, and this time we'll probably get a winner somewhere down the line. Next segment, next match was Jeff Hardy beating Cedric Alexander by pinfall. Real quick match. The next match happened after this was Nikki Cross and Asuka going against Charlotte Flair and Rhea Ripley. Now, during this tag team match, you had Charlotte Flair and Rhea Ripley having discussions and having just basically a bad tag team uh, relationship. They were always trying to outdo one another, and when they had to tag in one another, they were always tagging each other. Very, very unsportsmanlike. Rhea Ripley would tag... Uh, Charlotte by tapping her on the head. Charlotte slapped Rhea Ripley across the chest, basically giving her a chop as a tag. And it basically led to those two throwing blows and throwing hands to one another. Rhea Ripley tried to get Charlotte Flair up for the riptide and it ended up backfiring. Charlotte was able to get out of the riptide and chop block Rhea Ripley by the knee and hit her natural selection and leading to Nikki Cross getting the win over Rhea Ripley in this tag team match. So right now, Rhea Ripley again has another win over the Raw Women's Champion. And I'm not sure how they're going to do this. I know at Hell in a Cell right now they have Charlotte Flair and Rhea Ripley. I'm not sure they're going to try to add Nikki Cross to it, which will be a dumb Dumb thing. I will just put Nikki Cross off to the side right now. You have a story with it. Just let it continue building. Let Rhea and Charlotte just get this out of their system and progress to Nikki Cross after the fact. Anyway, that that's just my opinion on it. The next match to happen was Mansoor beating Drew Gulay by pinfall. Mansoor got advice from Mustafa Ali earlier in the night, and Mustafa told Mansoor that Drew Gulak is a competitor. He's not going to play fair. He's going to do anything he can to win, so you should do the same thing. Do what you got to do to win, and in the match, Drew Gulak tried to pull the tights of Mansoor, but Mansoor was able to outbeat uh, Drew Gulak first, and he was able to pull on the tights of Gulak and get the win, so it's starting to show that Mansoor is going to be taking the tutelage of Mustafa Ali slowly but surely as time progresses on Monday Night Raw. The next match was Kofi Kingston beating Matt Riddle by pinfall. It had a nice story. Riddle was taking care of business. Riddle had Randy Orton in his corner. Xavier Woods was in Kofi Kingston's corner. It was a nice back and forth match. Riddle almost had the match won. He hit Randy Orton's uh, apron drag Drag apron uh, DDT on Kofi in the ring, and he just tried to show off for Randy. Randy was yelling at Riddle to end him, end Kofi now. Riddle just pandered to Orton, and he even tried to do Orton's old stalking of his opponents where he would slither like a snake and start pounding on the mat 
to alert his opponents that you're about to get hit with the RKO. It camera panned over to Randy, and Randy was like, oh my god, he's doing this. Don't do that. Don't do it. And it ended up backfiring against Riddle when Kofi was able to counter out of the RKO, shove Riddle, and hit him with a trouble in paradise, basically a roundhouse kick, and pin Riddle. After the match, Randy Orton was in the ring, and he just looked at Riddle in disgust, and then he just walks up their apron to the back. So, as the story progresses, probably tonight on Monday Night Raw, we're probably going to get a segment with Randy talking to Riddle, and Riddle just basically apologizing to Randy for losing and pandering so much, and then you're probably going to have Orton just berate Riddle. But we'll see as tonight on Monday Night Raw. But anyway, getting more on to the point, Shayna Baszler had an in-ring promo with Alexa. The main point was Shayna Baszler was trying to basically destroy Alexa by saying that her doll Lily is so stupid and everything else. She ended up stomping on Alexa's doll Lily. What Shayna Baszler didn't know was that Lily happens to just destroy everything in her sight. The doll has mythical, magical powers, and she started having things fall uh, across backstage, she has flames start hitting up the apron as Shayna Baszler is walking up the apron, and as Shayna's going and running around backstage, you start seeing things fall, Shayna gets herself locked into a room just to hide from Lily, the doll, and you see Shayna puts everything in front of the door, a chair, a table, and then she turns over to a mirror, she sees the Lily, the doll, in the reflection of the mirror. You hear Shayna yell at the mirror. She kicks the mirror and busts the mirror. And that's how Raw goes off. That was your last remaining thing on Monday Night Raw. You saw Shayna Baszler just yelling out of pure fear of a mythical doll. I understand why people were upset at this segment. It was stupid and just idiotic. And people are making the comparison of, why does Lily not get a pass, a mythical doll, to The Undertaker, who was a, in Sammy Callahan's word, a dead cowboy with mythical powers? The only reason why The Undertaker was given a pass for so long was Undertaker came in at a different time. Undertaker came in the early 90s in the WWF, in his reign in WWF. He came in the early 90s, and things were completely different than what they were now. You can't get away with that type of stuff now unless you have a cool concept. The Fiend is able to get away with it because he has a cool concept and the fans have generated so much belief and character into The Fiend. That's why The Fiend is able to get away with what he does and Bray Wyatt has been able to get away with what he does. Lily, on the other hand, not so much. The fans don't care about it. You gotta have the fans' interaction. The fans gotta care. And if the fans don't care, you can't make them believe in what you're trying to sell them. And the fans do not care about this Lily doll angle. If anything, we want to see where Bray Wyatt's at and get done with Alexa Bliss being this demonic, uh, evil, whatever it is. Get Alexa going against The Fiend or Bray Wyatt, however you want to do it. Make this the last intergender match that you do have for a long period of time. And then get done with it and have Alexa go back to being a legit professional wrestler the way that she was before this whole angle started to get into it. That's what the WWE uh, fan base, that's what the internet wrestling fan base, that's just what the fans want in general. That was my just rant on that. Sorry for disrupting, disrupting you. 
Now, down to NXT, you had Oni Lorcan beating Austin Theory by pinfall. During the match, Johnny Gargano was fighting with Pete Dunne, and it ended up costing Austin Theory the match when Austin Theory got hit with a half-Nelson suplex, which gave Oni Lorcan the win. Next thing, that, next segment. Legato Del Fantasma had an in-ring promo, and it was disrupted by Bronson Reed and MSK. The main point of the in-ring promo was Legato Del Fantasma wants a match with Bronson and MSK. MSK and Bronson Reed gives them their match at NXT TakeOver in your house. Legato tells them, let's up the ante. Winner take all. You put up your NXT North American title in the NXT Tag Team Championships in this match. The winning team takes all the gold. Bronson Reed and MSK agrees to it. So at MA, so at NXT, in your house, you had Bronson Reed and MSK going against Legato Del Fantasma. Next segment that happened was Isaiah Swerve Scott. He beats Killian Dane by pinfall. It was a nice match. It showed off personalities within Hit Row. Top Dollar being the big muscle. Ashanti the Adonis being the hothead. He ends up fighting uh, Drake Maverick outside the ring. Top Dollar has to put hands on Drake Maverick and give him basically a Death Valley driver on the apron. And that cost Killian Dean the win because Killian was watching all this unfold and it allowed Swerve Scott to hit him with a running single leg kick to the face and led to Isaiah Swerve Scott getting the win over Killian Dean. Next segment, they have Mercedes Martinez. She was set to go against uh, a random local person that the NXT brought in. And before the match even began, Zaylee attacked Mercedes Martinez before the match. Mercedes and Zaylee were fighting all around the barricade and all around the ring. And Zaylee ends up throwing Mercedes Martinez back into the ring. And Mercedes Martinez tells the referee to ring the bell. The referee hesitated and Mercedes told him, ring the bell. It was a quick match. Mercedes beats the local wrestler that NXT brought in and... Mercedes Martinez won by pinfall. Next segment, Ted DiBiase. He calls out LA Knight and Cameron Grimes to the ring. LA Knight and Cameron Grimes both come out. They start spit spatting with one another. Ted DiBiase tells those two that in it at TakeOver, you guys will be fighting one another. You guys will be fighting each other for this and he brings out the million dollar championship if you don't know what the million dollar championship is it is a old custom championship that the million dollar man wore back in the er back in the early to mid 80s and this championship was hold up no late 80s early 90s sorry the main point was ted diossi he couldn't win the wwe at the time wwf Championship. He even bought the championship off of Andre the Giant, who ends up beating Hulk Hogan for the WWF Championship at a Saturday Night's main event. Point being, Ted DiBiase can never win the WWE Championship, so he ends up creating his own championship to glorify himself and make himself more pompous and feed his ego. The Million Dollar Championship it is a gold-plated championship with money signed all around it, and it has three big money sign that's encrusted in diamonds. Google the images of the Million Dollar Championship and you'll get a perfect image of what I'm talking about. Ted DiBiase brings out the Million Dollar title and he tells Cameron Grimes and LA Knight that at NXT TakeOver, you guys will be fighting for this, but you guys will be having to climb the ladder to get it. So at NXT TakeOver, 
in your house, it will be LA Knight going against Cameron Grimes for the Million Dollar Championship in a ladder match. And that's the segment for that. The next thing that happened was GYV, the Grizzly Young Veterans, beat August Gray and some type of guy in a jacket. I don't know the man's name. He's on 205 Live. I don't really watch 205 Live like that. But anyway, Grizzly Young Veterans beat the team by pinfall. That was it for that. Candice LeRae ends up calling out Poppy. Poppy is a uh, rock artist that does the theme for NXT TakeOver, and she works for NXT a lot. Uh, so she ends up coming out, and Poppy tells Candice, listen, I don't wrestle, but I know somebody that does. And out comes Io Shirai. Io Shirai has been out of NXT for about a good solid two months. Since the last time we saw her was NXT TakeOver standing the liver. And Candice starts fighting with Io Shirai. Io Shirai gets the best of Candice. And Candice rolls out of the ring and walks to the back. And it, this segment ends with Poppy and Io Shirai in the, in the ring and hugging one another. And Io Shirai hitting her pose on the corners. Uh, the next thing that happened was Ember Moon ends up beating Dakota Kai by disqualification. Raquel Gonzalez attacks Ember Moon and Ember and Dakota and Raquel starts fighting. Raquel and Dakota think that they have the upper hand on Moon and Moon is able to fight from underneath and lay out both of them. She lays out Dakota on the outside and in the inside of the ring, Ember Moon and Raquel Gonzalez are fighting inside the ring and Raquel is about to give Ember uh, her finishing move, which is a powerbomb, but Ember Moon is able to fight out of that powerbomb and hit a modified Eclipse. And then she goes to the top rope and hits her perfect Eclipse, which is basically a top rope stunner. She jumps off the uh, top rope and catches her opponent with the stunner position. You got to look it up on YouTube. It's a phenomenal looking move. It looks crazy how she's able to just to pull it off every single time. But anyway, she pulls off that move and she lays out Raquel Gonzalez and she lays the NXT Women's Championship on her chest to let her know that at NXT TakeOver In Your House, I'm coming for the Women's Championship and I'm winning it. And the last segment of NXT was Karrion Cross, Pete Dunne, Johnny Gargano, and Kyle O'Reilly are in the ring. They're waiting for Adam Cole to come out so they all can have this last little final face-off Kyle, uh, Adam Cole does not show up. He's on the Titan Tron and he runs down each one of them. And he tells them that I made you guys all like idiots last week. I'm the man. You guys don't hold a candle to me in that NXT takeover. I'm coming for the NXT championship. I'm coming to win it. And there's nothing any of you idiots can do about it. So once that goes off, you have now... Cross, Dunn, Gargano, and O'Reilly in the ring, and those four just starts brawling. And the last man standing was Karrion Cross. And the last say, thing that you thought you were going to see on NXT was Karrion Cross just standing over all of their bodies with the NXT title. But instead, Adam Cole hits a super kick to Karrion Cross, well, behind his head. You see the camera angle, see the kick. Hitting cross behind the head, and you know that it's Adam Cole. And you hear the announcer say, Oh my god, that's Adam Cole. So Adam Cole sneaks attacks, carrying cross, and he hits another super kick on carrying cross. And he laid out carrying cross with two super kicks. And he's now holding the NXT championship 
over his head and he's showing and telling everybody that this is the last and final image that you will see at NXT TakeOver in your house, me holding the NXT title, me being the NXT champion. So, I, so the last thing that you saw on Tuesday night on NXT was Adam Cole holding the NXT championship, declaring that he's going to be the winner at NXT TakeOver in your house. On AEW, the first match that happened was Christian Cage beating Angelico by pinfall. It was a solid match. After the match, Matt Hardy attacked Christian and Ed Helico and Jack Evans helped Matt Hardy attacking Christian. Christian got saved by Jungle Boy. Jungle Boy starts running out and tries to help Christian, which led to Matt Hardy and Helico and Jack Evans leaving the ring. So the last thing you saw was Jack Evans and Helico and Matt leaving the ring as Jungle Boy is helping Christian Cage up and ensuring him that I'm here to help you out. Next thing to happen was Cody Rhodes and Arn Anderson's son, Brock Anderson, has an in-ring promo because next week, well, this upcoming Friday on AEW Dynamite, it will be Cody Rhodes and the debuting Brock Anderson going against Anthony Agogo and QT Marshall. In this promo, you had QT Marshall coming out and telling Cody that he wants a strap match with Cody on July 7th. QT and Cody agree to it. QT grabs the belt and just hits Art Anderson uh, in the back like a coward, and Brock goes to work on QT. He pulls, he gets him with a takedown, starts hitting him, starts constantly just ground and pounding on QT until referees have to separate Brock Anderson from QT Marshall. This is now leading into Brock getting in, getting his feet wet in the wrestling industry, at least on the main screen. Uh, it was announced on by commentary that Brock has been training with Cody for some odd months, and Brock has been just training. So Brock is now stepping into a big foot, big, big shoes. He's now a second rated second generation not second rated my bad second generation wrestler there's a line of lineage of generational wrestlers that have to follow the footsteps of their fathers even Cody even mentioned it that he has some big shoes to fill and he believes that Brock can fill those shoes I hope he can and in my personal opinion it would be great if Brock ends up turning on Cody somewhere down the line to continue on the Anderson turning on the roads like past generational storyline that they were doing way back in the WCW Jim Crockett promotion style era. That's would be great. And also it will probably give Brock more credibility whenever he does this. And he teams up with, I don't know, a, a per se a MJF or even join the pinnacle under the tutelage of Tully Blanchard, and now we'll add another little wrinkle into the Tully Blanchard and Arn Anderson little saga to see if Arn Anderson will join back with Tully, or Arn Anderson will be pissed off that Tully has his son under his tutelage. But that's somewhere down the line. Right now, Brock's just getting his feet wet. I can't wait to see how this tag team match goes down, and I can't wait to see Brock Anderson hit a spine buster. And when he does, the crowd is going to go ballistic because... That was the move that his father popularized in professional wrestling, the Spinebuster. So when Brock hits it, it's going to be great. Uh, the next segment was Eddie Kingston, Pac, and Penta, El Zero Miero. 
defeating the Young Bucks and Brandon Cutler by pinfall. It was a great little six-man match. The main thing was Pac trying to trust Eddie Kingston as Kingston is trying to make Pac trust him after all their old bad blood. Penta was able to forgive Eddie because he knows that the Young Bucks and Brandon Cutler are their enemy right now. And right now, if Kingston wants to help them get rid of the Young Bucks and Brandon Cutler, cool. But anyway, the six-man match was great. It was solid. Good job. Look it up to watch it. It was solid work. The next segment that happened was the Pinnacle coming out to do an in-ring promo. They basically, one by one, named off uh, situations that they understand. FTR listed off to Santana Ortiz that, listen, we did what we did to you so we can get that filthy, grimy Santana Ortiz that should be here in, in AEW. Not these guys that are here just to be a footnote. You guys have been here in AEW for two years and haven't won the AEW Tag Team Championships. I thought they were going to mention, we just got here, what, last year within, what, I don't know, four months of us being here. We were AEW Tag Team Champions. So that already tells you who is the better tag team out of everybody here. I thought they were going to go that route, but they didn't. Warlow uh, basically got to Jake Hager and told Jake that, listen, I accept going into your world. So next, so this upcoming Friday, we will have Warlow going into Jake Hager's world. It will be Jake Hager going against Warlow in an MMA, what, stylistic match. So Warlow and Jake Hager will be fighting inside a eight-sided ring cage, like Bellator and UFC style cage. I can't wait to see it. There's only certain people that can pull this type of stuff off. And I want to see how they do this, especially with the camera work. I want to see how they do it. Sean Spears told Sammy Guevara, listen, you think that you're the hero, but you're not the hero. I'm the hero. And he just went off on a whole tirade about it. And MJF, he got on the mic and he did what he did best. He talked. He told Jericho that, listen, I beat you twice. I'm not giving you a match. And he went to Sammy Guevara and told Sammy, you keep my name out your mouth. I'm better than you, and you know it. Those guys declined giving the inner circle another match. So the next thing that you see is Chris Jericho on the Titan Tron telling inner circle to turn around and pay attention and look at it. He told him that, well, how many times do we got to go down this road? You know what's going to end up happening. You're going to end up give us, giving us our match that we want. And so, right now, since you declined it, we're going to have to do something about it. I hope you guys are prepared to walk home. Because earlier in the night, the Pinnacle came to AEW in a limousine. And now, the Inner Circle are at the limousine, and they start beating up that limousine. They beat up the windshields. They busted the glass. They busted one of the tires. And Jake Hager ends up coming out with a forklift, and he drives through that limousine with the forklifts. He puts the two uh, steel forks into the limo, and he lifts it up, and he tries to get the limo to flip off of it, but it doesn't happen, but they've created enough damage that that limo is straight up immovable, is not workable. It's basically just a complete wreck now. The last image that you see on that was now the inner circle riding off on that forklift, just sticking the birds at the camera, and you see the camera man and the camera comp, uh, production team pan back to the inner circle in the ring, and they're just so upset and flustered, and you hear one of them say, I'm going to call the police, I'm going to call the cops. So 
this is now showing you that the inner circle are working their magic to get the pinnacle so upset that they end up giving them another match. I hope that doesn't happen. As I said last week, I want them to end this thing by not really ending it, but just like as the rankings goes on, you get a pinnacle versus the inner circle stylistic match down the line. AEW is a big enough place that you can have the inner circle and the pinnacle both exist at the same time. But whenever you get those matches, it'll be magical because, oh yeah, they're the inner circle, they're in the pinnacle. They hate one another. But I, since that's not happening, I can't wait to see what goes on next because I'm going to be criticizing it, especially with my big brain. I like to think about things as it goes along and how they could stretch this thing out. But anyway, next segment that happens, Darby tells Sting that next week he will be going against uh, Scorpio Sky, Ethan Page, by himself in a handicap match, and he wants Sting to stay home. Sting is uh, Sting's not liking it. He tells Darby, listen, you don't have to prove nothing to me. You were AEW TNT champion before I even got here. You don't have to prove nothing to me. Darby tells Sting, listen, I understand that. I need this. I need this for myself. So next week, I need you to stay home. Sting says, are you sure? Darby tells him, yeah, I need you to stay home. I'm serious. I need you to stay home. Sting tells him, all right, I'll stay home. I'm not going to be here next week. I'll stay home. He gives Darby a fist bump. So this upcoming Friday as well, you have Darby Allen going against Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page in a handicap match. The next match that happened after this segment was Miro defeating Evil Uno by submission to retain his TNT championship. It was a solid match. Miro did what he had to do. He took a lot of punishment from Evil Uno, which I didn't think would happen. But this match was surrounding by Evil Uno trying to pay tribute to his fallen leader, Brody Lee, who passed away in late December. And he was trying to win back the TNT title in his honor. He ends up losing, but he has a good showing against Miro. The next uh, segment that happened after this was a Kenny Omega segment. He had an in-ring segment, and he was trashing Jungle Boy, saying that Jungle Boy is not nowhere the competitor that he is. Jungle Boy got some years ahead of him to go before he can even measure up to somebody like himself. And Jungle Boy interrupts this promo, and he tells Kenny Point Blank, you talk way too much. And he start, him and Kenny start brawling in the ring. And this is leading up to two weeks from now on a Saturday, on a live edition of Dynamite, it'll be Kenny Omega versus Jungle Boy on a live edition of AEW Dynamite on a Saturday night, which is weird to me. But, hey, they got to work with them what they can do. So, there you go. Two weeks from now, AEW Dynamite Saturday. Kenny Omega going against Jungle Boy for the AEW World Heavyweight Championship. The next match after this was Lance Archer beating a jobber by pinfall, which is a quick little match. Archer just wants to beat up people and just get another win to rack up on his uh, win-loss record to climb up the rankings in AEW. Next match was Nyla Rose beating Layla Hirsch by pinfall. It was a straight match. It was nice. It was a nice, solid little match. Nyla Rose gets the win by hitting a top-rope powerbomb on Layla Hirsch. Well, giving a top-rope powerbomb from Layla Hirsch to win the match by pinfall. And the final match, the main event was Hangman Adam Page and number 10 from the Dark Order beating Brian Cage and Powerhouse Hobbs by pinfall. The 
ending of the match came from Powerhouse Hobbs is holding Adam Page while Hook is distracting the referee and Ricky Starks throws Brian Cage the FTW Championship. Brian Cage grabs the belt and he throws the belt back to Ricky Starks. And Starks is pissed. He is living. So is Taz, who's on Tom commentary. He is Taz is asking and saying, What is Brian Cage doing? What is he doing? Starks is so upset. He's even Starks turned to Taz and you can hear Taz just screaming out, What is Brian doing? Brian doesn't take the cheap way and he throws the belt back to Ricky. Ricky gets on the apron and just lays it a thunderous smack to the face of Brian Cage. And Brian starts running after Ricky Starks backstage. So now Powerhouse Hobbs is left in the ring by himself with Tin and Hangman. Tin ends up holding uh, Powerhouse Hobbs while Hangman is able to hit a buckshot lariat and allows Tin to pin Hangman. And you now have gotten Cage leaving Team Taz. That's what it's setting up for. Brian Cage is leaving Team Taz and more or less going to have Powerhouse Hobbs fighting Brian Cage down the line within another week or two. Probably on the Saturday night edition, you'll have Brian Cage like get jumped by all the Team Taz and get stripped of the FTW title, and the FTW title probably put on Powerhouse Hobbs from that moment. But we shall see what happens with AEW down the line more. Impact Wrestling results. You had Tony Khan coming to Impact, and Tony Khan, Don Callis, and Scott Demore had an in-ring promo. They all discussed whether Sammy Callahan was going to be added to the Moose and Kenny Omega match at Against All Odds. Tony Khan said, no, that's not happening. It's going to be Moose versus Kenny Omega at Daly's Place. Daly's Place is where AEW is having their uh, television show ran and shot at while this whole pandemic has been going on until they're able to get back on the road. So Kenny Omega was able to go against Moose at Against the Lots at Daly's Place. And Sammy Callahan was barred from the arena while that match was while that match was going to happen. But Tony Khan did agree that Sammy Callahan would be getting the shot at the winner at Impact Wrestling's next pay-per-view, Slammiversary. So at Slammiversary will be Sammy Callahan going against the winner of the Impact Championship match, either it be Kenny Omega or Moose. For the Impact Championship at Slammiversary. Don Callis was not okay with that. But it was out of his hands. Next match that happened after this. Was Rosemary beating Havoc by pinfall. The next match was Tasha Steels Beating Kimberly by pinfall. The next match that happened after this. Was Trey Miguel and P.D. Williams. Beating Chris Bay and Rohit Raju. After the match. Ace Austin and Sawyer Fulton or Madman Fulton, came to the ring and started attacking all of them. But all the X-Division members, uh, Chris Bay, Rohit Raju, Petey Williams, and Trey Miguel, started to rally against Madman Fulton and start beating up on him. And Josh Alexander came to the ring to beat up on Ace Austin. While Ace Austin and Josh Alexander are fighting outside the ring, 
all the X Division inside the ring has Madman Fulton set up on the top rope. And Petey Williams goes up to the top rope and he gives Madman Fulton a Canadian Destroyer off the top rope with the assist of all the X Divisions inside the ring. And as this is going on, Josh Alexander holds up Ace Austin to watch the madness occur. And Ace Austin is helpless in this and he can't help his big bodyguard take this uh, Canadian Destroyer. So the last image that you saw on that was Ace Austin laid out and he was helpless as he couldn't help his big bodyguard that just got a Canadian Destroyer off the top rope. The next match that happened after this was Eddie Edwards beating Joe Doring by disqualification. Diener grabbed Eddie Edwards' leg. The referee saw it and he called for disqualification. Violence by design all attacks Eddie Edwards until Kojima saves Eddie and sends Violence by design back to up the ramp and back behind the curtains. The next match that happened in the main event was W. Morrissey, formerly known as Big Cass in WWE, beat Willie Mack in a no disqualification match by pinfall. After the match, Rich Swan attacked Morrissey, Morrissey, Big Cass, before he could attack Willie Mack more after the match. So the last image that you saw was Rich Swan helping out his best friend Willie Mack withstand a beating from W. Morrissey. That's how Impact Wrestling ended. Now, Friday Night SmackDown, it started off with Roman Reigns telling Jay that both Jay and Jimmy owe him for saving them last week from basically embarrassing the family. Jay sits there in silence and says nothing. And as Jay is sitting there in silence, Roman hears the Uso song go off and he checks the television and he sees Jimmy go out to the ring. He is now just watching as Jimmy go out to the ring and grabs a mic. Jimmy is on the mic inside the ring telling Roman that, listen, you are not the big dog that you think you are. You're not the head of the table because the head of a table does not do and act the way that you do. You're jealous of me. You're jealous that I am back here and I'm able to connect with my brother. Why are you not allowing me and my brother to win the tag team titles? He feels that he... He feels that what Roman did last week by interfering in that tag team title match between the Usos and the Mysterios, Roman tried to undercut and undermine the Usos so Roman could be the only member of his family with championship gold. Jimmy is asking and saying out loud, why do you feel threatened by me and Jay wanting to win the tag team titles? Why not allow all of us to have the to have championships gold so we all can be the head of the table so it just won't be you that was basically jimmy's whole main point of that and he tells roman that to watch his back because at the end of the night before tonight's overweight he's gonna do something that he's not gonna regret the first match of the night after this segment was kevin owens and biggie beating apollo cruz and Sami Zayn by pinfall kevin owens hit Sami Zayn with a stunner that's how he ends up beating Cruz and Sami Zayn. Uh, the next match that happened after this was Liv Morgan beating Carmella by pinfall. The next segment that happened after this was Bailey having her in-ring segment called the Ding Dong Hello, her talk show segment. 
and her guest was Seth Rollins. And the main gist of this was both of them, Seth Rollins and Bailey, were mocking Bianca Belair and Cesaro. Seth Rollins was uh, laughing at Bailey's uh, mocking of Bianca Belair, and he was giving props to Bailey by saying, "You are a veteran. You need to teach this young girl some respect. These young people don't respect veterans now. I, it, it's amazing to him." That's his whole thing with Bailey. While Bailey shows the footage of Cesaro getting beat down by Seth Rollins, and they're both having a good old laugh at Cesaro's expense. Their doorbell goes off, and Seth Rollins looks at Bailey and says, "Oh, you must have got something from me." And Bailey says, "No, I didn't get you something. You sure you didn't get me something?" And Seth says, "You know what? Since I'm your guest, I'm gonna answer the doorbell. I'm gonna answer the door." He opens up the door, and on the opposite side of the door is Cesaro. Cesaro ends up fighting Seth, and he ends up tearing out—not tearing out, but tearing off Seth's pants off of Seth Rollins. So now Seth is in his shirt, jacket, black uh, short, black underwear, dress shoes, and socks, and he runs out of the ring as Cesaro is tearing up the set for Bailey's show. And Bailey even looks at Cesaro and says, hey, man, this is my set, man. And Cesaro says, I'm sorry, and all this type of stuff. And then you hear Bianca Belair's uh, theme goes off, and Cesaro tells Bailey, you got to worry about that. Bianca gets on the stage, and Bianca looks at Bailey. Bailey looks at Bianca, and Bianca just starts laughing hysterically at Bailey because your show got destroyed by Cesaro, and you look like the laughing stock. So now this is fuming Bailey to want to get revenge for uh, Bianca laughing at her. And at Hell in a Cell, it is Bianca Belair going against Bailey for the SmackDown Women's Championship. That's just a match that you need to look out for. The next thing that happened after this segment was um, Montez Ford going against Chad Gable. Montez Ford beats Chad Gable by pinfall. Otis comes out and attacks Montez Ford as Montez Ford was about to pin Chad Gable because he hit a five-star frog splash on Chad Gable. It was about to get the pin. Otis comes in, beats up on Montez Ford, and he hits a Vader bomb on Montez Ford. Uh, Angelo Dawkins comes out, and Angelo Dawkins tries to cover for um, Montez, but Otis beats up on Dawkins a little bit, and the official says to come out and separate Otis from the Street Profits. So this is trying to show up, show off Otis as an unstoppable machine now. Otis looks like a miniature version of Vader. If you look at Vader, you just would have mini-sized him a little bit, just cut off his height just a little bit more, you would get Otis. So I can see them trying to like transform Otis into a Vader type. Uh, wrestler and like machine type deal. I'm with it if they're that's what they're doing. I'm with Otis being this Vader esque style character and just Chad Gable being the guy that has to unleash Otis onto people. I'm cool with it. Um, the next thing match that happened was Nakamura beating Baron Corbin by pinfall, and then your last segment that you have for SmackDown, Rey Mysterio he calls out Roman Reigns to the ring. Ray um, 
challenges Roman to a match at Hell in a Cell inside the Hell in a Cell for the Universal title. Roman doesn't really answer Ray. He just laughs at Ray and he's about to talk to Ray and Ray hits Roman with a kendo stick. Ray is throwing in a good two, three, four shots with the kendo stick on Roman before Roman catches the kendo stick and uh, beats on Ray, not with the kendo stick, but just with his own bare hands. And Ray is about to get hit with a power bomb. Ray grabs the kendo stick and hits Roman in the head with the kendo stick. But Roman ends up hitting Ray with Superman punch. Now, Ray is on the ground. Roman is in the corner. He does a signature little shout to alert his opponent that he's about to hit you with a spear. And out of nowhere, Dominic comes out with a Singaporean cane and starts hitting uh, Roman Reigns in the chest with the kendo stick. I'm sorry. Kendo stick is also known as Singaporean cane. So just to let you know. Dominic hits uh, Roman with the cane and just constantly is into Roman until Roman catches the cane and hits uh, Dominic with his bare hands. And he ends up powerbombing Dominic outside of the ring. And you have the announcers and commentators just all freaking out that Dominic got powerbombed on the outside of the ring. And that's the last image that you have on SmackDown. Roman leaving Dominic and Ray laid out on the outside as Roman is walking up the ramp. More or less on, more or less at Hell in a Cell, you were probably going to get Ray and going against Roman Reigns inside of Hell in a Cell for the Universal title. Because they got to have the main title always defend, uh, defended at a pay-per-view. They always do it, so I expect that to happen. So right now, the only matches that have been announced for Hell in a Cell right now are four. Roman going against Ray. Well, that hasn't been announced, but that's going to be announced because that's the way that they're working it in. Roman going against Ray at Hell in a Cell for the Universal title. Drew, Drew McIntyre going against Bobby Lashley for the WWE Championship inside of Hell in a Cell. Bailey going against Bianca Belair for the SmackDown Women's Championship. And then you will have Charlotte going against Rhea Ripley for the Raw Women's Championship. Those are the only four matches that have been, like, announced, announced for Hell in a Cell. Now, let me give you the results for Impact Wrestling's Against All Odds. Violence by Design beats Decay to retain their Impact Tag Team Championships. Joe Doring beats Kojima by pinfall. W. Morrissey beats Rich Swan by pinfall. Deanna Perrazzo beats Rosemary by pinfall to retain her knockouts championship. Tennille Dashwood beats Jordan Grace by pinfall. There was no number one contender. Uh, nobody in the number one contender match, the Fatal Five Way, won that match because Madman Fulton came out and destroyed everybody except Ace Austin. He put uh, hands on Chris Bay, Trey Miguel, Rohit Raju, and Petey Williams. And as soon as he got done destroying all of them, he put Ace Austin on top of one of the guys, and he told the referee to count. The referee said, nope, he's not counting, and he threw the match out. So no normal, new number one contender has been announced for the X Division title. More, along, more will come to pass later in hopefully during this week on Impact Wrestling. And 
Tennille, not Tennille, Tasha Steeles and Kiera Hogan beat Kimberly and Susan to retain the Knockouts Tag Team Championships. Sammy Callahan and Tommy Dreamer defeats the Good Brothers in a street fight. And at Daly's place for the Impact Championship, Kenny Omega beats Moose by pinfall, but Omega had help from the Young Bucks. After the match, the lights went out and it popped right back going and Sammy Callahan was in the ring. And Sammy Callahan beats up on the Bucks. He beats up on Kenny Omega. And as he's doing this, he's about to give Kenny Omega the same treatment that he gave Eddie Edwards a good five years ago. Five years ago, Kenny uh, Eddie Edwards got his eye taken out by Sammy Callahan. Thank God Eddie Edwards still could see out of that eye. His eye is fully functional, but for a period of time, he had to basically cover up his eye because Sammy Callahan hit him in the eye with a bat. Sammy Callahan was about to do the exact same thing to Kenny Omega. That's when Don Callis came from the announce table and starts yelling at Sammy to don't you do it, don't you do it. Sammy doesn't do it, and he's there standing in the ring, and Don Callis says, I thought you better not, you better not, I thought you wouldn't. And he tells Sammy Callahan, you're fired. You are fired from Intel Pack Wrestling. Bye-bye, you're fired. And now you have Scott Demore coming out from the announce table, and he starts yelling at Scott. Well, he starts yelling at Don Callis, and he asks Don, what are you doing? What are you doing? You can't do that. He starts yelling and everything else, and you start hearing Sammy Callahan in the ring saying, this is bull crap. This is bull crap. And that's how you end Impact Wrestling's pay-per-view with Sammy Callahan being fired. And now he's saying this is bull crap. And more likely on this week's uh, Impact Wrestling, you're going to hear from Sammy Callahan. In some instance, either it be him hacking into the Titan Tron in the production to say something to Don Callis or you have Scott Demore talk to Don and tell him that, listen, you can't do that. It's already contractually obligated if we got Sammy Callahan to go against the winner and which the winner was Omega at Slammiversary for the Impact Championship. That's more than likely what we're probably going to hear this uh, upcoming episode on Impact Wrestling. But we shall see what happens whenever we cross that bridge. Now it's time for NXT TakeOver In Your House. The first match was Bronson Reed and MSK going against Legato Del Fantasma. Bronson Reed and MSK beat Legato Del Fantasma by pinfall. Bronson Reed hits the Typhoon Splash onto uh, Raul Mendoza, which gave Bronson Reed and MSK the win. And Bronson Reed and MSK are still NXT Tag Champions and North American Champions. Next match that happened after this was Zia Lee beating Mercedes Martinez by pinfall. It was a nice, solid little uh, woman's match. Next match happened after this was LA Knight beating Cameron Grimes in the ladder match to be the million dollar champion. It was a solid ladder match. It wasn't like every other ladder match that you see, like mad, crazy bumps and mad, crazy like flips and everything else. Because you got one guy that could do all of those things, and you have another guy that breaks out like a backflip, like sparingly, whenever he really wants to do it, like, and it'll make. A difference in a match and that guy being LA Knight but it was a nice solid ladder match is not like the greatest ladder match but it was a good ladder match um LA Knight ends up throwing not throwing he ends up grabbing one side of the ladder and throwing uh Cameron Cross 
off of the ladder onto another ladder that was already set up on the outside, um, outside of the ring, and Cameron Grimes went crashing onto the ladder. It looked brutal. But anyway, that was the finish of that match. Um, the next match that happened after this was Raquel Gonzalez beating Ember Moon by a pinfall to retain her NXT championship. Throughout the match, you had Dakota Kai basically interfering a lot in the match until Shossie Blackheart came back and took out Dakota Kai to now leaving it Raquel going against Ember Moon. It was a nice little uh, back and forth between the two, but Raquel was able to get Moon up for her powerbomb and hit her with the powerbomb and get the win. And in the main event, you had Karrion Cross going against Pete Dunne, Johnny Gargano, Kyle O'Reilly, and Adam Cole in a fatal five-way for the NXT Championship. The last uh, little final little moments that you saw was Kyle O'Reilly putting Adam Cole in a double like leg lock type of submission, and Adam is not trying to tap, but you can see that he is about to like tap. Karen Cross sees this. He hits um, Kyle O'Reilly with the straight jacket, which is a rear naked choke, and Kyle O'Reilly is starting to go to sleep in that rear naked choke. He's starting to lose consciousness. And as he's losing consciousness, he lets loose of the submission hold that he has on Adam Cole. And now Adam Cole is free and he's just clenching his legs. And Kyle O'Reilly goes to sleep. He's unconscious. And the referee sees that Kyle O'Reilly is unconscious. And the referee ends the match. And Karrion Cross is the winner because he put Kyle O'Reilly to sleep. And... The match was solid. I'm not trying to give you everything out of that match. I want you to see that match. I would say that's probably like the big, like, main thing of that takeover. And the final last thing that you saw in takeover was uh, one of the reporters asking William Regal, did he see the main event and what does he think? William Regal walks out of the building and he tells the reporter throughout his seven years being the, like, general manager of... NXT, this has been the most chaotic NXT has ever been. And it seems that NXT is in need of a change. And he starts walking away. Usually on takeovers, they usually like have some like climatic, like big moment to like leave the fans either that are watching home or inside the arena with something big that usually happens after like the show go off. But before the show goes off, but that was a big anticlimactic climatic uh like thing to happen i don't understand it i'll have to see what happens when we on nxt this tuesday i don't know what that means for nxt is will regal like stepping away from nxt and we're getting a new general manager or is regal gonna let anarchy just reign over nxt i don't know but we shall see this NXT takeover felt flat. I tweeted that out and I said, it's just is it just me? And I said, I don't mean to sound ungrateful, but does but NXT this NXT feels flat. It did. The build to it was just so flat. The main event was something I was hyped for because NXT usually at least gets that right. But just like the feeling as I was watching it just didn't feel like a takeover. It felt like a just a normal NXT like television show like a normal NXT like 
just USA version of the show. It's not even like the old WWE Network style NXT where it was action-packed, boom, boom, bow, bow, bow. Nah, it was just a stagnant version of a takeover, and it was weird to me. But it's not to, it's not, I'm not trying to crap on the wrestlers that were wrestling. I'm not trying to crap on them at all. I have all the respect for them in the world. It just felt like the atmosphere of this NXT TakeOver just felt really, really weird to me. And it's, and, it, and in the end, it just, with Regal walking off, that just basically just solidified it. Yeah, this NXT TakeOver was really, really climatic and anticlimactic and just felt really flat. But that's not due, that's not on the behalf of the guys that are in the and females in the ring working their butt off to try to entertain everybody in these matches. No. That has something to do with how everything has been built up storyline rise and created storyline wise. But that's for that's just my opinion on that. Now to New Japan uh news. They have a new IWGP World Heavyweight Champion and it is now Shingo Takage. Yes, Shingo Takage beat the Rainmaker, the franchise player of New Japan Professional Wrestling, in their one-on-one match. This that happened on Monday on Dominion in their big like one-on-one match to see who's going to be the IWGP champion after Will Ospreay had to vacate the championship. So now Shingo Takage is the third man ever to hold the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship. The first man was Kota Ibushi. The second man was Will Ospreay. Now Shingo Takagi. It seems like New Japan is going a different route with this World Heavyweight Championship. Usually they'll usually throw it back to their main franchise guy unless they want to like give it to a guy that they think that they can they just want to see what they can do with and give him a trial run and then as he's in the trial run if he's doing well, we're going to keep it on him a little bit. But if he's doing bad, we're going to take it off of him immediately and give it back to our franchise guy that has been running with the ball and we know we can count on him. It seems like with this title, they're going complete opposite. We're going with new faces. We're not going with our old uh, franchise players. Our franchise players will be there when we need them. But we're going to try to see what we can do with these new guys in these main events scene. We're going to see what we can do. And it's just refreshing for professional wrestlers and organizations to do that. You see the franchise get the ball so many times and whenever a new upcoming guy that everybody wants to see get the ball and they don't ever get it. And whenever they start becoming like the old news and they start to lose that new and crispness and freshness on them. And now the company wants to give them the ball and he doesn't do well as the company wants them to. You want to know why? Because they lost all that new freshness and crispness that you guys should have given the ball with that you wasted time basically the Braun Strowman effect Braun Strowman was hot in 2017 and he should have beat Brock Lesnar for the universal title in 2017 but they wasted that and he never beat Brock and he got the belt in the current in the last year in the corona pandemic era the Thunderdome PC slash era of WWE this is what I like to call the Braun Strowman effect but New Japan is the opposite way of that. They go, they're now going with new, exciting let's, uh, stars to see if we can see. Let's see if they can carry the big belt. But anyway, getting to the point. Shingo Takage is the new IWGP World Heavyweight Champion. And I will love to see what goes on down in the future with New Japan Wrestling and Shingo Takage as their new IWGP Champion. 
Now, the news that I was talking about that wrestling fans or in the wrestling community were buzzing about this week was I just got wind that Mark Henry is trying to get Braun Strowman into AEW. That's on Mark Henry's like list for being a new guy or basically a recruiter, if you will, for AEW. Wrestling fans were not happy with Mark Henry saying that. Braun Strowman said some unkind words last year. He tweeted out some unkind words whenever the pandemic happened and you had all these independent wrestlers talking and pleading with fans to like buy some of their merchandise on uh, their ProWrestlingTees.com to try to put money into their family's pocket and feed their families with the money from fans buying their merchandise. You had Braun Strowman uh, getting on Twitter and saying he doesn't want to see guys begging and pleading with fans to buy merchandise. You guys should be held responsible, be adults, get on your own two feet, go to a nine-to-five job, get a job as this pandemic stuff is going down. You don't need to be begging and pleading these fans and yada, yada, yada. And now since he's out of the, out of a job and people don't forget, the fans do not forget, fans are looking at AEW and looking at Mark Henry now like saying don't you dare get Braun Strowman into this because AEW is basically about 90% all independent guys that haven't hit television or gotten a look on television and they if they were to get released by AEW they'll more likely have to hit the independent scene again or unless you are a big name in AEW that WWE wants to hire you, or even a New Japan wants to hire you, that you'll go. But, like I said, a good 90% is all independent guys that were signed, and now they don't forget those type of things. The fans don't forget what Braun Strowman said, and they don't want Braun Strowman over in AEW because they want Braun Strowman to suffer and struggle a little bit so he can understand what the independent wrestling life is really like. Instead of just being a guy that came from a powerlifting strongman competition and then you get a contract from WWE and then you're in WWE you get shoved up to the main like roster spot you get that big push because everybody sees that Vince is doing something with you and you're in the big main event slot you get paid big money and all this yada yada good stuff long story less long the AEW fans or just wrestling fans in general in the internet community do not want Braun Strowman in AEW Take that with what you will. Me, personally, I'll have no problem seeing Braun in AEW because AEW needs a big man. Needs a big, big man. Big Show is old. Luchasaurus is big, but he doesn't have, like, the like the big muscle or muscular, like, thickness to him. Warlow, he's a, he's a nice, solid, built guy, but he's not, like, 6'5", or, like, if he is 6'5", he doesn't look 6'5", let's put it like that. But... He's not, like, as big as Braun Strowman. So, if AEW were to get Braun Strowman, he'll be, like, the legit, like, big old, big, big guy that would be adding some new dynamics to AEW. And I would like to see, if they do sign him, I would like to see Pac work with uh, Braun Strowman. Have uh, Braun Strowman be, like, the big, muscular, muscular, like, heavy for Pac. That would be my pairing right there. That's Easy parent, easy Monday. Lucha Bros being the tag champs, have Braun work with Pac and have him be the heavy 
So Pack and win the AEW World Championship, that's an easy booking if I were to do it. But that's just my opinion on it. If they want Braun, let them get Braun. If they don't, let Braun go. And also, there's been rumors that WWE is trying to grab people back, a.k.a. they're trying to get Braun, uh, not Braun, but Aleister Black back. They're trying to get Samoa Joe back. There's been saying in reports that Samoa Joe was at the Performance Center. I'm not sure of any of this because I don't like to dig into any of the rumors like that. I like to just wait until they're on television or I like to see them on uh, other promotions if they have confirmed that they've signed superstars. I will read rumors and I will entertain them, but I will never really speak on it until we have seen it on television. That's my usual stance on all these type of situations. But anyway, I don't want to take up any more of your time. This has been the Wrestling Highlights of the Week. I hope you enjoy. I will be giving you guys the Wrestling Highlights of the Week again next Monday. I'm sorry that you guys keep on having to question, okay, is it going to be Saturday or Monday? All these pay-per-views keep on happening quickly, and this Sunday coming up is Hell in a Cell, so that's the reason why Tada is on a Monday. But after Hell in a Cell, I don't think there's going to be another pay-per-view until, like, Money in the Bank, and that's in July. So you should be getting uh, wrestling highlights of the week on Saturdays for a good straight couple weeks until Money in the Bank happens, and that's in July. But this will be the last one, hopefully, on Monday, the next time you hear Wrestling Highlights of the Week on Monday. And then after that, it should be going back to Fridays. But anyway, um, this has been my two cents uh, podcast, Wrestling Highlights of the Week, presented by G2. I want you guys to have a great day and a great rest of your week. And if you haven't listened to my Sunday episode, don't listen to it. I talk about Jeffrey Tubin, the guy that... Uh, did some things to himself on a Zoom call, but now he's back working at CNN. I talk about Chris uh, Chris Harrison leaving ABC with a good eight-figure deal because he apparently getting bought off by ABC to keep his mouth shut. I talk about a lot of other things on that episode, but just listen to it if you haven't listened to it. But let me hurry up and give you my social media uh, links where you can find me. On Twitter is at My2Podcast. Instagram, my two cents podcast G2. And for business inquiries, it's my two cents pod at yahoo.com. And as also remember, this podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Podbeam, and Google Podcasts. If you want to give me a five star review or you want to give me uh, any type of review or star rating that you think I deserve, please give me those. These help me out so I know what I'm doing right and what I'm doing wrong with these reviews. And it will let me get better. But anyway, as I said, I hope you guys have a great day. I hope you guys have a great rest of your week. This has been my Two Cents Podcast Wrestling Edition, Wrestling Highlights of the Week by G2. And I will see you guys when I see you guys again. Well, with the Wrestling Edition Monday, but for my next time you hear me on a Sunday for like topics, Sunday. Anyway, I hope you guys have a great week. Bye-bye for now. Thank you. Bye-bye. 